and welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is the football weekend recap, and whew, this week did not disappoint. Awesome slate of college football delivered. Some incredible games. We're going to talk about it all. NFL, just craziness right now. We still don't have a great grasp on that. Nine and ten on the season for bets in the NFL. But college football, we're looking at a 70% win record. We've been absolutely daggers there. Um, absolutely nailing that category. And we had an awesome week. Uh, it, it played out exactly how we had predicted. Um, if you didn't see the clip or listen to the show, we start right off the bat with Florida State Clemson. We talked about it in the pre-game analysis and the breakdown of that game that it's concerning their kicking game. And we can roll back the tape on that one. I talked about how they they had to bring the the grad trans or the grad student in who was on the team the previous two years as a backup kicker because of the starting kicker's uh, troubles. Comes down to needing to make a kick, they miss in a close game. Some really bad. I mean, that screenplay on third down that Club Nick checked into was absolutely terrible. Um, so often in college football, it's it's more about not losing the game than going out and winning it almost, it feels like, at times. We saw that in the Notre Dame. Well, you could say Ohio State won that game, but also Notre Dame lost that in a big way. Um, and, and that's what happened in the Florida State-Clemson game. Um, we, we sort of nailed it to a T. You know, Florida State's offense it's ready to roll now. They faced a, a pretty good Clemson defense. I think one of the things we have to be careful now with, with the two and two Clemson is, is devaluing them too much um, because it's still a, a good football team. It's got a good defense, a decent offense. Um, it's just not an elite team. Like a lot of people had kind of thought they might be this year getting back to that. They're, they're never going to be there. We talked, we've talked about it so often on this show. It, it just isn't in the cards. Clemson is not going to be elite again. Dabo refuses to deal with the transfer portal, refuses to deal with NIL. His coaching philosophies are outdated. The game is starting to pass him by. He doesn't have a stranglehold recruiting wise in the state of Georgia anymore. Um, It's yeah, it's the competition in his own backyard is just getting tougher. One thing that we, we talked about a while ago is about how NIL and the transfer portal we're the great equalizers. And if you're refusing to participate in that, you're going to fall behind. It, it's just, it's a matter of fact. And you lose Brent Venables. There, there was not a real great replacement there. I mean, they're good. Once again, this is a good defense. They're going to give some some teams some fits. Um, Notre Dame is a team that comes to mind. I, I think we'll have some trouble with that. Um, but... Game played out exactly how we thought it was going to. That was a great win on our part. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Notre Dame, Ohio State. 17-14 is the score, and holy cow. I, for a school that prides itself on academics, y'all need to invest in some basic counting classes for this football team. Ten men on the field for back-to-back plays. Notre Dame had no idea. I, I know in the press conference, Marcus Freeman spoke to it a little bit. His answer made no sense. He didn't want to take a penalty. What, to end up on the half-yard line? The ball was on the one-yard line. You're lining up with 10 guys back-to-back. There isn't a down defense alignment on the left side of the line. It's wide open. And nobody caught it the first time. Nobody caught it the second time. It was horrendous coaching. The details matter. 
it, and the details weren't there. Now, give Ohio State its roses a bit here. Kyle McCord, we had talked about, you know, the struggles to really push the ball down the field. You know, those 10-plus yard throws only being 11 for 29 coming to the game. When the moment needed him, he stepped up. He delivered. He made some great throws there to drive that team down the field. But the fact that, you know, they even got stuffed the first time with 10 men on the field, I, I just... Notre Dame constantly finds ways to lose games. Um, I don't know what has happened with the Irish. Um, it, it's that was a tough one to see it, because I live bet Notre Dame. It, you know, full disclosure, uh, we lost that one. Uh, it wasn't on the card. Um, it was in the personal account, but whew, man, not not great uh, by Marcus Freeman and this Notre Dame Fighting Irish team. We'll see. They're going to need some things to really break their way to to make the playoff. The season isn't fully lost, you know. Th- this is a, a Notre Dame team that's got some good games coming down the, the pipeline. You know, they got Duke this weekend. They still got to play USC. Um, they're, they're still going to have to play Clemson. You know, let's... They got to win out. And they got to hope that there's some cannibalism in the Big Ten with Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. They've got to hope that the Pac-12 does what it does and cannibalizes itself as well. Um, they've got got to win out. They've got to beat USC. I think they got to beat USC with some style points. You know, they don't need to pour it on, but they need they need to win that game. Um, but the season isn't fully lost. It's just, oh man, you, that was a signature win that they needed and they just could not get it, which is really disappointing um, to say the least. Story of college football, though, we're sort of burying the lead here. The biggest story in college football, Oregon versus Colorado. Runt was due. Colorado wasn't going to be able to pay. We talked about this. Now, did I think it was going to be that big of a blowout? No, not particularly. I thought they would be able to make a play here or there, put up more of a fight. But this is exactly what we're talking about. This Colorado team is an okay team, and they were being talked about in elite company. Like, the hate isn't so much on Dion in Colorado, I don't think. It's on the media hype and all of the personalities coming out so strongly. It led to the public being like 98% on Colorado Moneyline. That's the real problem here. You know, we're never going to hit every bet, even though we're 70% in college football right now. And we've had a running record the last four years. You know, but we do our best. We work incredibly hard here at Trophy Kids to give you the best information to then go out if you're going to invest in sports and and, and, and bet in these markets. We want to give you the best information. And the media, that's not their game. Their game is clicks. Their game is is viewership right now. But there's this extra sort of due diligence that's needed in this market so that the public and the casual football fan that are flocking to the sport right now because Dion is such, you know, a great thing for football in general are now putting money based on what the media is saying. And we came out and, and said, you know, I didn't bet the game. I didn't have a great feel on, on the spread. I thought there could be a backdoor cover situation. Similar to like I think could happen in the USC game. I think Colorado matches up slightly better against USC and by slightly better, I mean, can put up some points. Um, but this Oregon team, 
they were just a better football team through and through. Colorado has depth issues. It's paper thin. You know, they don't have the beef up front. We've been very vocal about that. Those offense and defensive lines are terrible. They just, they don't have the push. And you could see that an Oregon team wanted it bad. I mean, say what you will about that pre, pre-game speech by Dan Lanning. You know, my thoughts on it is every coach from the beginning of time has given speeches like that. They try to find something that they think are going to get the kids going, get your team going in every sport across. That was the lane he took. It clearly worked. You watch that game and they were playing with purpose. I mean, I remember turning to my girlfriend early in the game and just saying, man, number zero is running with anger. Like he is lowering his patch and running with anger. That Oregon team had a, they wanted to bury this Colorado team. There was a disrespect level there. Um, and, and I have a feeling if it were the other way around, people would be defending Dion being like, well, he's trying to announce he's here. That's what Dan Lanning's trying to do. He's in year two of this Oregon rebuild. He's saying, we're here. We're ready to go. We're ready to play. I don't love the games that we're playing to discredit Oregon either. Dan Lanning is a hell of a defensive coach. He was under the tutelage of Kirby Smart at Georgia, did a great job there on the defensive side of the ball, has come and helped kind of bring, to be honest, a toughness to this Oregon team. Dion and Colorado are going to figure it out. I've been vocal about that. They'll eventually figure it out. But this year, they're a four to five win team. They're an okay team. They're going to lose to all the big boys in the Pac-12, and they're going to beat up on the bottom part of that. Like, that's just how it is. Um, in, in that game, that was an ass kicking. I mean, holy heck. Um, we did bet Detroit Franklin over receiving prop. That was clearly going to hit without Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter, not worth 35 points. <laughs> okay. I know people were out here talking about how this would be a different game with him. Not really. Maybe they would have had a little bit of a, a better chance uh, offensively to put up some fight or defensively, but like, no. Travis Hunter doesn't play on the offensive defensive line. That was the biggest glaring hole. I mean, they were just getting shredded tr- through. Um, so yeah, it, it played out exactly like we thought it was going to play out. You know, Colorado isn't ready for that level yet. Um, and that, that that's nothing against Dion. That's nothing against this team. There are still some really good players. They've been propped up by Shador Sanders, who is an NFL level prospect at quarterback. Um, but the team wasn't ready for that stage. You know, they're a team that's a four to five win team that is going to be getting everybody's best efforts because of the way they've been propped up by the media. And, and, and that's something they're not ready for. They're not ready for it in the weight room. They're not ready for it on the field. They're, they're just... They're not ready there yet. Um, they'll get there. I, I think they'll absolutely get there. But Dan Lanning and this Oregon team had a point to prove. He talked a lot of shit with the way he play called. I mean, you know, he talked some crap in the in the in the locker room. He's been great on the mic, respectful, I thought, in, in the postgame in this week. Um, but the way he talked with his play calling, that was, hey, we're here. Oregon Ducks are competing for a playoff spot this year. We're ready to roll. Um, and you gotta love it. Um, and like I said, I think Colorado in this USC game, you know, the lines opened up higher than it did against Oregon, which I I found kind of fascinating because I I do think the USC defense is more of a work in progress than the Oregon's defense right now. Offensively, USC is going to do whatever they want, but there's going to be an opportunity, I think, for Colorado to maybe score some points. We'll break down the game in more detail on the Friday episode, but this is the point we talked about in the preseason. 
Colorado is going to find a lot of failure this season. They're going to have a lot of success, but there's going to be a lot of failure when they come and play the top top tier of the Pac-12. How do they handle that? How do they move week to week? That's what's going to show you what this program is built on. That's going to show you the direction over the next couple of years if Dion sticks this thing out of Colorado of, of what they could do. And I think it's going to be positive. I think that they're going to move in the right direction. But the way they handle this stretch when they have to play the big dogs in the, in the Pac-12 is going to be important and how they lose is going to be really important for how they build this program out moving forward. Um, I'm very excited to see how, how that works out. Penn state, Iowa was a game that we talked about. Iowa was probably not going to be able to move the ball a whole lot. Cade McNamara is just, it's clearly he's not healthy. He can't, he can't help push this offense and the play calling is brain dead. We've talked about this with Ference. It, it's just nepotism at its finest. Um, it, it's bad. I mean, I know he's getting annoyed with it, but when you have to put in the contract that you average more than 25 points a game, that's saying something. It, it's bad. It, it's extremely bad. You know, they have a built-in floor with the defense, but uh, I thought Drew Law, this offense, played decent. We're going to watch the tape a little bit later tonight and go through it a little bit more because Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan, those are going to be some great games. Um, I think these teams have ways to take advantage of each other. It's going to be awesome. We'll break it down in more detail. Um, but I, I think something that's sort of maybe flying under the radar a little bit more is, is Utah. Utah goes in and, and beats UCLA in one of the best home field advantages in college football. We talk about it all the time in this podcast. We're big Utes fans. We've been them the last few years from when the PAC 12, they've gone ahead and done that, but they're four. No, without their two best players in their quarterback, Cam Rising, and their tight end, Kuthi. They are 2-4-0, folks. That is mighty impressive. The job that is being done at Utah right now is fantastic. UCLA is no slouch. Sure, you know, they, they have a redshirt freshman and more who I, I think is going to take UCLA to that next level. I mean, man, that, that kid can play. There's a lot of upside there if he develops right. I think Chip Kelly is going to get him going in the right direction. But the Utes, I mean, that is a program tough as nails, built built with a solid foundation. Um, they come to play, and they're they're going to smack you in the mouth. And without Cam Rising, without Kuthi, they have found ways to win football games. Hasn't been pretty, but they've found ways to win football games. They've gotten through this stretch. We might get Cam Rising next week. You know, this was the UCLA game was the game they kind of circled on the the calendar as the game that he might be back. Um, he clearly wasn't. Let's see what this week looks like. I, I don't think we're going to learn anything new in the week because, you know, why do you want to give that advantage? Um, you know, you, you now you got to prepare for two quarterbacks potentially. So I thought that was that was a game. Um, but yeah, it's Oregon State bet to win the Pac-12 is, is probably dead on the water. That that was a tough one um, to say the least. You know, they they fought it out. There was some variance in there, you know, returned kick for a touchdown that that certainly hurt. Um, they're going to be a really interesting team, though. You know, their fight for the Pac-12 isn't over. They're a tough as nails team. Let's see what they can go ahead, ahead and do. Um, Washington. People need to start putting some respect on that Washington name. That is a damn good football team. Um, that offense is as high flying as can be. Thank God Jimmy Lake is no longer a part of that organization. Um, what has been going on with Washington football? Penix has been playing absolutely lights out. Fantastic. That is a high rolling offense. The defense can play some ball too. Um, not the greatest defense you'll ever see on, on turf, but they can play some ball. 
don't don't get fooled there. But holy heck, man, stopping this this offense. Good luck to you. Um, we'll break them down. They've got some interesting matchups coming up. You got Oregon in two weeks. That's going to be a fantastic matchup. I cannot wait for that. High flying offenses, some good defenses. Cannot wait. Um, so those were kind of some thoughts on college football as a whole. Um, I'm I'm super interested. I think the Miami FSU game this year is going to have a lot of juice on it. Taylor Van Dyke is is sort of starting to get back to his former self. He's done a fantastic job. I don't think enough people are giving Tyler Van Dyke some credit. The guys had four offensive coordinators in four years. Two years ago, he was looking like a bona fide potential NFL prospect. You know, you have last year's the Gaddis offense experiment disaster. We pointed that out on the show last year. It wasn't going to work. It didn't work. They've got him back to, to looking like his old self. Um, Florida State's got some weaknesses on the back end. That matchup, oof, that rivalry is going to be in full effect this year. That's going to be a lot of fun coming down the pipeline, coming down uh, later this season. we got some fun football, folks. We're going to be here with you. Like I said, so far, we've been 70% on the year. It's going to be hard to keep that record going. We're going to try our best, give you some good information to take some action on, as always. Um, and we moved to the NFL, where we haven't been as good. Um, still kind of getting the system calibrated, to say the least. Thursday night, we've been been pretty good on. Uh, the pick two Thursday cards have been been going well. Uh, about 67% there. But the overall NFL card, it's been tough. It's been an up and down season. I think some of the things we're learning, the Browns have the best defense in the NFL at this point, and I don't even think it's necessarily close. We knew Jim Schwartz was going to help elevate this defense. I did not anticipate how high he was going to elevate this defense. That is a lights-out defense they got in Cleveland. If the offense can keep some things going, I don't think Tennessee's the greatest test, but... Watson looked a little bit better. I still think he's probably cooked, but we'll see. Um, Amari Cooper, we talked about him. He's just the guy that shows up, gets the job done, brings a brings a lunch pail to kind of work mentality. Just a quiet assassin on the offensive side of the ball. Um, this Browns team, the coaching staff is just fantastic. Um, unfortunately, they're going to be kind of capped by the worst contract in all of, all of sports, excluding baseball because those contracts make no sense with the Deshaun Watson contract. But if they can get him moving and playing at just an average rate, oof, this Browns team, they're going to be a tough out. Um, You know, Packers get a, a gritty win. Love, we, we've been talking about it. He's, he's had some struggles. He hung in there mentally tough, though, when they needed upon it. Obviously, the game changes a little bit when Derek Carr goes down with an injury in steps Jameis. God, I love that Jameis is back. The most in, unintentionally funny man the world has ever seen. Um, but Jordan Love stayed in there tough late in that game. Delivered when they needed him in the moment. I, I thought that was a really good moment for him, you know, to not regress to like sort of a rookie quarterback status. Um, I thought that was fantastic and, and really good, good on his part. The Dolphins, I mean, what can you say about them? They're an absolute wagon. I mean, holy heck, folks. Mike McDaniels is in his back. He is one of the best coaches, if not the best offensive player caller right now in the NFL. I know there's probably some debate between him and maybe Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid, but what Mike McDaniels, especially in the run game, is doing is so incredibly creative. It is, a, I think even for the average fan, if you turn on a Miami game, you're going to be like, running the football's fun the way he's calling games and the way he's drawing things up. I mean, that little shuttle pass they had in there to mimic a run, 
it felt like the defensive lineman didn't even get his hand out of the dirt yet before the running back was hit in the hole. It was that quick. It was awesome. You haven't even gotten Armstead back on the offensive line. There's some pieces missing on defense, um, which is learning a new scheme in Vic Fangio's defense, which is different, much different from what they were running last year. Like this team, if they can stay healthy, whew, we talked about them in the preseason, folks. They're a real, real threat. I mean, who is playing fantastic. Mike McDaniels is in his bag offensively. One of the most exciting young coaches in this league. Things are awesome. Uh, on the Denver side of the ball, bad week for Colorado sports. Um, I think this is now going to become a question of how invested is Sean Payton? Because Denver's situation is rough. Um the ownership group has clearly shown they want to win and they're willing to spend, but you're saddled with Russell Wilson's contract. He's clearly cooked. I don't know how you fix that. I guess if anybody can, it's probably Sean Payton. Um, but Sean Payton's already made a legacy for himself. Sean Payton's already built something down in new Orleans. You know, he's not a spry chicken here, folks. How invested is he in putting in the energy it's going to take to sort of rebuild this organization? Now, in the NFL, you can flip rosters quickly and easily. Um, but I, I question that a little bit. You know, I, I really wish the Chargers had just kind of bit the bullet and fired Staley last season and brought in Sean Payton. Um, so that we could finally get a Chargers team playing up to the level it should be, um, which that game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this Denver situation, it's, it's tough. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett's deserved an apology because while he was not good, he didn't have one of these eggs. Um, also Mike McDaniel kick the field goal, go for the throat, get the record. That's something cool. Like, come on now. Um, I know people were mad too. Like they were running up the score. They were running the ball. If you can't just stop, it's not like they were just tossing it all over the yard. I mean, they still did that, but like, honestly, the Broncos defense was disrespectful to the game of football. Not the, the Miami team putting up 70, like get that out of here. Um, I, I think we saw a lot of teams move more to their means. That's what we're starting to see. Um, the Colts Ravens game was fascinating to me. I, I'm a big fan of Tom Munkin. That was the game plan was a little surprising because the feel for the Colts is that secondary can really be tested. And we've seen that through two weeks. If you attack them vertically and deep and the Ravens just did not do that. I, I that was a real kind of whiff from a guy in Tom Munkin who game plans differently week to week does a fantastic job of it. I think very highly of him. One of the better offensive coordinators in the league did a great job when he was in Tampa, did a fantastic job at Georgia and helping them win some national championships down there in Georgia. That was, it was, I, I was a little confused as to what I was watching the Ravens offense try to do. And I don't know if that's because everything is still so new. I don't know if that's because they don't feel like they have the pieces exactly even though we've seen guys like Zay Flowers early in his career pop. Um, and he was he's a super versatile guy, and, and all the reports kind of indicated that he was going to be super versatile in this offense. You know, obviously, uh, Odell's a little banged up, uh, to say the least. It, Mark Andrews is still the security blanket there, but 
and it wasn't like Lamar didn't have time. I just, I was shocked by the play calling. Um, I didn't really understand that. Give the Colts credit. They, they stuck in there. They beat a very good Ravens football team. Um, so good on them. The other thing that I think we should really start to talk about is the Chicago Bears. Ryan Pools, we've questioned and if he's the guy to really rebuild this thing. But Matt Eberflus, I don't know if he hates Justin Fields. I don't know if he's just incompetent. But I would love to hear him explain why you are running Justin Fields when a game is clearly lost and guys are teeing off on him, but you refuse to do it earlier in games and earlier in this season. That was some negligent shit that they were pulling in Chicago. This team, it's a bad football team. It's a bad constructed football team. It's a bad head coach, I think. It was the wrong hire. You know, I didn't think he did a great job with the Colts. There were some rumors that he may even be fired after last season. The Bears go out and they sign him to be their head coach. But the strategy that you implored with Justin Fields in this game, when it was clearly lost, was negligent. I I I don't I don't know how you you do that to your quarterback. It it's absolutely ridiculous. Clearly, this team is not going to be competitive this year. In the NFL, anybody can win every week. We know that. But this team is is clearly going to be in the running probably for, for the quarterback draft. But you need to protect your guy a little bit there. And, you know, Justin Fields comes out this week prior to this game and, and talks about how he'd love to get, you know, the runs early in the game, kind of get the blood flowing, the adrenaline going, you know, simplify the offense a little bit. And you just, you just whiffed so bad. I, I don't, I don't understand it at this point in time. Um, My Bucks, uh, yeah, they, they're returning to the mean a little bit there. Um, I, I've always wanted them to compete for the number one pick and to really re-kick this rebuild thing off because it doesn't appear like we're going to be bringing back Mike Evans. You know, Baker's not going to be the franchise guy. We're kind of starting to head towards no man's land. Um, it, it feels like it's a good time to to start the rebuild. A great quarterback draft coming up here. We go out and sign Baker. He's going to fuck around and win five to six games probably, which is unfortunate. We run into an Eagles team this Monday night. That just had our number better. You know, the interior of our offensive line is, is banged up and in rough shape. Um, defensively, we're banged up. The Eagles are starting to return to form a little bit. Swift, I mean, my God. Miles Sanders did not look like that with this offense last year. Swift is an extra added level threat. If, if they can get Jalen Hurts going again, this whole line can stay healthy. Oof, good luck. Good luck with that defensive line, too. They're starting to get it going. I mean, they got to get the secondary healthy in, in Philadelphia. They got to get some things cleaned up on the back end of that defense. But in the front end, woo-hoo-hoo. good luck. Good luck. Um, Yeah, the Bucs just ran in. You know, it, it that was the Bucs team that I was expecting this year. That's what showed up on Monday night. 
Um, we just have the Baker factor where he'll wake up a couple Sundays throughout the season, feel dangerous and win us a game. And, and that's unfortunate for a team that I really think should be in, in the tanking category. Um, Bengals Rams Cincinnati. I, I love the Cincinnati fans. I live here in Cincinnati. Those guys were go. Those girls and gals were going crazy. Um, I mean, standing the entire first half, it's a six, six game. It's ugly. It's a snooze fest. They're just going absolutely wild. Nobody's sitting. Absolute just mayhem down there in Paul Brown, Paycor Stadium. Um, But we started to see the team get a little going. You know, surprise, surprise. When you use Jamar Chase as if he's your number one weapon, good things happen. Good job, Zach Taylor. Thank you for waking up. Welcome to the NFL. Welcome back. Did you enjoy your snooze? Um, They move him around a lot. I love that, getting him in motion. You know, 12 receptions, 141 yards. Great game, you know. Um, Joe Burrow started to feel it a little bit. We, I still don't know how that calf is, is going to hold up. That'll be interesting. We we talked about this in the breakdown. You know, he's a touch guy. He's an accuracy guy. You know, he's going to put the ball where it needs to be, but he's got to be healthy to do that. And we'll see if he can continue to do that, uh, if he can continue to get healthy. And Zach Taylor finally woke up. Lou Amarillo, after, after Lou had a bad Bad game against the Ravens from a defensive scheme standpoint. Came back, put together a great game. Trey Hendricks, holy hell. <laughs> he did what people thought Aaron Donald was going to do to Joe Burrow. Sam Brad or Sam Bradford. Matthew Stafford. <laughs> um, great game by him. Overall, fun week. Um, it'll be a good one this upcoming week. I'm, I'm excited for it. The one thought to kind of leave you with, I think as we talk more about college football, we'll talk about it on the, on the college show, especially when I get Dante back, I want to hear his thoughts, but... College football is in, in the healthiest spot it's been in forever. There's a lot of parity in the league. You've got Deion Sanders doing a great job, bringing attention to the sport, bringing more casual fans in to watch. Love that. You've got a Pac-12 that is loaded, which they're in their swan song, which is unfortunate. I love the Pac-12 so much. It's been the best conference for us to bet on Trophy Kids. I love watching it. Pac-12 after dark was great. They are phenomenal this season. Um just so, so good. Um, the SEC's down, but this is what we were talking about, folks. This is what we were talking about when we said NIL and the transfer portal and expanding the playoffs was all going to be positive for bringing parity to the sport, bringing more neutrality to it, to not allow certain teams to have such chokeholds because they're the only ones really paying guys big sums under the table because you know guys can't transfer out. You know, one of the reasons Alabama was so good for so long in part was because you had really strict transfer rules. You know, you had a ton of talent that was just sitting and developing, but they couldn't really go anywhere. Well, now you can go anywhere and you can get paid. And if you're not getting the minute you want or playing the play, you know, it's there's a second recruiting season. Teams that weren't in the, the lottery to get these guys coming out of high school are now in the lottery because they're transferring out. They haven't really played, but they're they're still in that trajectory to be really good. They're going to other schools, you know, NIL, the transfer portal, college football expansion, it, it's all bringing a neutrality. Now, some of this is cyclical. You know, the SEC is in a downward cycle, but I do think the playing field is going to be more even as we go forward. And that's awesome for college football. More chaos, more teams competing. I absolutely love it. Um, that's what we root for. We'll talk about it more. Good week. We got the NFL show coming out Friday, college show coming out on Friday. We're going to give you some good bets, give you some good information to hopefully take some action on some games that you might be interested in. 
as always, we thank you for, for tuning in and listening. In peace.